the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Maybe Joe should try juggling. Yeah, tonight's uh, Joe Biden's big night. Assuming he remembers to show up, uh, he will accept the Democrat nomination for President of the United States of America. Of course, this could come could come as a surprise to him. I mean, he did say at least once that he was. Uh, asking people to vote for him for senator. He would hope that he would make them proud as a United States senator. He'll probably be briefed before he goes out there tonight and reminded that he is running for president. Uh, but the reason he might want to take up juggling, uh, might not have a lot of time to really master it between now and uh, his speech, but he's, maybe he should sing. Come up with something uh, to keep the audience interested because uh, the TV ratings stink. Tuesday night, the Democratic Convention lost out to America's Got Talent. Uh, that's a good show, actually. I actually watch it. It's one of the better shows on TV, I think. It's unpredictable and uh, well-produced, has tremendous variety, and uh, it's, a good sh- it's a good show. Now, I like to watch it. Anyway, there was a 42% drop in the ratings going back to 2016 on CBS, NBC, and ABC for the first couple of nights. And all three cable news uh, networks dropped 16% from back in uh, 20, 2016, four years ago. Not surprisingly, uh, MSNBC had the best ratings among the three cable networks. They're the most liberal, and, uh, well, I don't know if they're any more liberal than CNN, but they seem to do better than CNN, which is really haven't. They're, they're way down the bottom of the list of stations that people watch on cable. Anyway, overall, 18.2 million people watched Tuesday night. That's down 24% from the second night in 2016. And then here's an interesting number. Now, you know the Democrats like to think that um, that uh, young people are really excited about their socialism and their, their political correctness and their just overall wonderfulness. Well, young people stayed away in droves. NBC and ABC checked in with a 0.3. Three. Now, to give you an idea what that number means, I think it's a if it's a rating, it's of the people of the people watching television on that night. Three tenths of a percent of the people who chose to watch TV that night watched the Democrat convention. I could be wrong about that, because if that's the if that's the number uh, of the entire population then that would be a little bit more. But either way, it's a really, really bad number. CBS was worse at 0.2, 0.2. Now, to give you an idea of what that number is, um, I used to uh, host the uh, – this is what how I always relate these numbers. Uh, I used to host a nightly sports call on KDKA-TV a long time ago, and we would get a 1.2 to a 1.5. That's a local rating. And that was pretty good for a show like that. You were happy to get 1.2. But this is a national rating of 0.2% on CBS, 0.3% on NBC and ABC. Remember, we're talking about the Democratic National Convention with Kamala Harris and all the big stars and everything. Not a good sign for the Democrats. And by the way, they were caught faking the audience for Kamala Harris's speech if you look closely in the background at, at all the screens, which are supposed to be people in the audience, I guess live streaming, you can see that they use the same people multiple times in the background to make it look like more people. But it's they're repeated. There's little squares, and you can see the same face in multiple squares. They faked it. Pretty pathetic. Uh, and remember, young people are supposed to be the ones who are going to help the Democrats win. Here's what young people don't do. Vote. They don't show up uh, very rarely. And President Trump was in Pennsylvania today, by the way. He stopped in Joe Biden's old neighborhood near Scranton. Joe hasn't lived there probably for, I don't know, 60 years, but he likes to claim it as his hometown because that will help him in the election. Pennsylvania could be the state that determines 
uh, whether or not he can be president or senator or whatever it is he's running for. And it's the northeastern part of the state where they really need to do better than they did in 2016. When we come back, we will have Director of Strategic Information for the Trump campaign, Mark Lauder. He's going to tell us how the Trump campaign has reacted to the first three days of the Democrats' pseudo-convention. Then in our second half hour, we're going to talk to a media professor about how the media have been covering all of this and the pandemic and the riots and the demonstrations and everything else. So stick around. Uncle Tom is a movie that leftist Democrats don't want you to see which, of course, is one big reason why you should want to see it. Uh, Uncle Tom stars Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Herman Cain, and Brandon Tatum. Now, they all share three things in common. They're courageous, they had a life-changing experience, and they are black conservative Americans. Something else they have in common? Their voices are the ones the leftists don't want you to hear at a time when so many desperately need to hear it. It's their stories of how their lives were changed when they finally figured out the truth. It's the story of black conservatives in their own voice. You can see Uncle Tom now on pay-per-view. Just go to UncleTom.com and download it. The stories that these courageous people have to tell will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. It's a story of redemption and hope. It's the story of America's black conservatives, and it's the truth. See Uncle Tom now. Just go to UncleTom.com. Com. Third floor study hall. First floor homeroom. My dining room table. Wherever school happens for you this year, Staples has everything from notebooks to sanitizer, laptops to face masks. Now at Staples, get 20% off your in-store purchase of hand sanitizer, masks, and other PPE products. Go to staples.com slash 20 off PPE for your coupon. In front of the TV. Ah, no chance, kiddo. Staples. Shop in-store or pick up curbside. Ends 822. In-store only. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Curbside available in most stores. If you're thinking Thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. Genesis 950 with water breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can even be used in a carpet cleaning machine. And it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Before you purchase new carpets, you must try Genesis 950. It's made in America. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's a disinfectant that kills viruses. It can be used on surfaces and floors by mixing one-third Genesis 950 with two-thirds water. Apply to surface and clean with fresh water. It's great for floors, bathrooms, kitchens, garages, grease stains, wheels, tires, degreasing engines, and upholstery. It's available on Amazon. However, if you order a gallon direct at Genesis950.com, you'll receive a free spray bottle and discount using code SALEM. That's Genesis950.com. Genesis950.com. Code SALEM. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. President Trump was in Pennsylvania today. It was his first rally here since mid-May. Uh, there's a pretty good chance he's going to be back here quite a few times between now and November 3rd. Pennsylvania may be the state that decides whether or not he gets a second term. And he paid a visit to Joe Biden's old neighborhood on the day that Joe's going to be accepting the Democrat nomination for president. So um, I guess assuming that Joe remembers to show up tonight, but uh, Mark Lauder is the director of strategic information for the Trump campaign, and he joins us now. Mark, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, John. 
So um, uh, where did the president go today and what did he have to say? Let's start with that. Well, the president was just down the street from uh, from Joe Biden's birthplace in Scranton, Pennsylvania, talking about the economy, talking about how Joe Biden has sold out the workers of Pennsylvania through his support of NAFTA, his support for TPP, and even his proposal, you know, under his Green New Deal with Bernie Sanders and AOC that would eliminate 600,000 jobs in energy in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania would be ground zero for the job loss. Uh, if Joe Biden is elected and puts his plans into into uh, into effect, and Joe's been been trying to back off of that, uh, the whole, especially the fracking part of it, where he's he's trying to say that he only is opposed to new fracking and, and no more fracking on public lands. Uh, is he is that a is he trying to weasel out of that now because uh, he knows he's going to have to explain it at some point here in Pennsylvania? Yeah, it's just another one of those things where he says one thing and then says another thing. Can't remember what he said previously, but he absolutely said that he was going to put, you know, he was going to ban fracking and put energy workers out of work. His Green New Deal calls for that. It's it, it's just such an irresponsible plan. You know, as the president highlighted, we are now the number one energy producer in the world. We are energy independent. I remember when I was growing up, we had to rely on all to, for, on all our oil for the Middle East and Venezuela and places that don't have our best interest at heart. We don't do that anymore. We're actually exporting our energy. But if Joe Biden and, and Bernie Sanders have their way, that's not going to be the case anymore. I think he actually said that... Uh that the the coal miners that he would be put out of work should get a job uh, working in with computers programming or coding I guess yeah he, he said. said they should learn to code <laughs> yeah yeah that's a nice yeah, I that, mean this is this work. is really a redo I mean Hillary Clinton ran in 2016 right. on that promise of putting coal miners out of work and when you look at it I mean this is really you know Joe Biden has a plan to put four trillion dollar tax increase into effect. That is more than twice as much as Hillary Clinton wanted to do. I mean, when anybody who thinks that Joe Joe Biden is some moderate, I mean, look at his policies. They are even further to the left than Hillary Clinton and his VP nominee. She's the most liberal senator in 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 the Senate. She's even further to the left than comrade socialist Bernie Sanders himself. Yeah. And uh, I'm guessing we should expect to see President Trump here a lot in the next couple of months. Uh, Any plans in the near future to come to Western PA? Uh, well, I'm not going to get ahead of the White House. Obviously, they, they control the schedule, yeah. and there's a lot of security that goes along with that. But you can absolutely be sure that the president, the vice president, are going to be back in Pennsylvania a lot. I was just in Wisconsin yesterday with the vice president. And by the way, Joe Biden hadn't been there in 660 days. Wow. I mean, can you believe that? I mean, it's 660 days, and he hasn't even bothered to show up. It's remarkable that you can have the president out campaigning. You can have the vice president out campaigning, and yet Joe Biden can't be bothered to come out of his basement. It's really remarkable. Well, Connor Lamb uh, from the 17th District here in Western PA has been mostly uh, Mr. Invisible. That's what I call him here. We can't get him to you know comment on anything. But he actually said in an interview last night, I can't remember if it was MSNBC or CNN where I saw it, but he said that he was actually admitting that guys like Biden have been bad for Western PA jobs and manufacturing. But he says, uh, he said, well, I'm new. So, he, I, you know, they can't pin that on me. But he's, he's been a Biden man from the beginning. What, what do you expect from him? Uh, I'm talking about Connor Lamb. And, and, and what do you think Biden uh, about Biden showing up here? Do you think he'll ever have the guts to come here? I'm talking about Western PA. Well, uh, he'll have to at some point. But, you know, this is the thing about the Democrat Party is that they will tell you that they're that they're their now anointed leader is bad for jobs, but then they blindly go along with them anyway. And we look at it time and time again, you know, it's time to walk away because the Democrat party of your parents and your grandparents is gone. It is now the party of Bernie Sanders and the squad and radicalism. I mean, when you look at what's going on in America's big cities right now, burning, arson, looting, shootings, homicides, out of control. And it's the Democrat Party that's out there saying we should be defunding the police. Joe Biden called them the enemy. And Kamala Harris compared them to the Klan. I mean, this is how radical and out of touch that these people are. And yet too many people are still just blindly going along. But I'll tell you, we're seeing it in labor unions. We saw it in Pennsylvania in 16 and so many other places. I'm seeing it in black America. I'm seeing it across the board. People are tired of the lies of the Democrats. 
They recognize that they come and tell you one thing when they want your vote and then don't do anything or do the exact opposite when they get in office. And they're, you know, they're tired of it. And they're going with the guy who's fighting for their jobs, fighting to protect their neighborhoods, fighting to protect the men and women in blue who answer the 911 call when you or your family's in danger. Yeah, I wanted to get into that about the defunding. Uh, how much of an issue is that going to be? And where, uh, where is uh, Biden vulnerable on that count? Well, he's absolutely vulnerable. I mean, he, he actually said in an interview, he called police the enemy, and he said that he would absolutely take money from police departments. And so, I mean, that's defund the police. And we should take the, the, the radicals at their word when they say that they mean it, when they say they defund the police. Look what's going on in Seattle, where the first female black police chief ha- resigned because of yeah. the cuts that the, the, the liberals, the radicals had done to her budget. Look what's going on in Chicago, in Minneapolis, in Milwaukee, where I was uh, nearby recently. You can go city by city by city and see the Democrat policies have failed. They have failed workers. They have failed uh, communities of color. They have failed working Americans. And this is a president who's going to fight for them. He's fighting for their jobs right now fighting against China, fighting to help fund our police. And it's a really simple equation. And when you go in those poll, to the polls in November, it's do you want that misery and that destruction and decline, or do you want a hopeful opportunity and an optimistic future? Yeah, the, um, the, the, I, I believe me, I haven't been able to watch the, the Democratic pseudo-convention. I, I've watched and I've, I've picked up on the highlights. I, I couldn't possibly sit through it. But uh, from what I understand, nobody has condemned any of the violence yet. Uh, they, they haven't, haven't even any... mentioned the violence. No, that's what I was going to say. They haven't even talked about it. Yeah, I mean, that's just really remarkable. When you look every night of the week, when you see people getting dragged out of their cars and nearly beaten to death, when you see federal buildings and law enforcement officers attacked with, with fireworks and rocks and chunks of concrete, and they can't even be bothered to condemn it. It's because they're controlled by it. They're, the, the mob has taken over the Democrat Party, and it's time for folks who, with, with just that rational common sense to go, you know what, enough's enough. I can't do it. Uh, Barack Obama broke tradition last night, uh, just absolutely trashed the president and his speech. You don't see uh, – it's not something that the uh, that presidents have done to their successor in the past – but he's really good at reading a teleprompter, and he did a good job of, do, of you know, delivering it last night. But did he break any new ground? He didn't break any new ground. I mean, he basically did what he did for eight years, which was, which was give eloquent and beautiful speeches with no results. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, let's go back. Under Obama and Biden, we lost a half a million. I'm sorry, we lost 200,000 manufacturing jobs, blue-collar jobs in those eight years. In just three and a half years under President Trump, we have added more than a half a million. And I believe 14,000 of them are right there in Pennsylvania. So, again, it's a matter of common sense. This is a man who said in 16, it take a magic wand to bring manufacturing back. Well, no, it actually just took having a businessman and someone who's willing to stand up, fight those forces who sent our jobs to China and Mexico and other places and say, it's time to manufacture stuff back here in America. And the president's not just stopping with the heavy manufacturing. He actually wants to get the pharmaceutical manufacturing and the medical manufacturing back here as well. So we don't have to be reliant on China to get the equipment and the medications that might protect us from the next plague they unleash on us. Uh, We're talking to Mark Lauder. He's the director of strategic information for the Trump uh, 2020 campaign. Uh, you mentioned the the, uh, the pandemic or the plague or whatever it is we're dealing with here. Um, at, at, we have a couple of months more left here till the election, a little bit more than two months, two and a half, I guess. Um, how will the Trump campaign and how will President Trump separate himself from Joe Biden and the Democrats when it comes to opening up the country? I know a lot of it is dependent upon governors. But Joe Biden was out there the other day uh, saying that he would he would be encouraging every governor to have a so that we could have a national uh, mask uh, mandate. So how, how will the what, what can the president do and how can he do it, um, you know, to separate himself and show the distinction between the two on that issue? 
opening up? Well, I think what, yeah, what you're going to see is you're going to see a continuation of what we're doing right now, which is working. The number of infections is dropping. The number and the percentage of hospitalizations is falling off a cliff. Those are all positive signs. And I know that members of the coronavirus task force, like Dr. Burks, have been traveling. They've been in over uh, nearly two dozen states in just the last few weeks, talking to governors, talking to health officials about how to specifically meet the needs of their communities, because this outbreak is different community by community, state by state. And what Joe Biden doesn't get is it might sound great on a bumper sticker to have a national mask mandate, but there's no reason that a father and son out hunting, you know, in the wilderness needs to wear a mask or someone fishing on a lake by themselves or a guy plowing the field. And so we've got to recognize that that one size fits all mandates from New York City and Washington don't work. What we need is to let local leaders make the decision and encourage people to make the right choices for their family, their needs. And we can get back to work and get healthy again. We can get our kids back to school and stay healthy. We know how to do more than one thing at one time. We just have to have the courage to stand up and lead and do it and not go cower in the basement with Joe Biden. The uh, the TV ratings have been in the basement, too. I and mean, Actually, they've been in the toilet for the uh, Democratic Convention for the first three nights. How effective do you think it has been in terms of reaching people who haven't decided yet? Because that, that whatever they've said, you know, from what I can see, they, they haven't said anything that's going to convince a Trump voter to vote for them. Everybody's fighting for the, for the people who might still be on the fence. Do you th- see that they've had any success with that? And, and is it possible to have success with such terrible numbers? Well, I don't think it is. I mean, hey, I don't think it's a problem of the, whether it's their, their virtual convention or in person. It's their message. Uh, their message is the reason why that people don't want to watch. And when you look at what they did put on, it was, it was really nothing more than a giant work of fiction. You know, I mean, they literally had Bill Clinton telling us how how you should conduct yourself in the Oval Office. You know, or, you know, or you have a, a Democrat Party and a bunch of national security leaders talking about Joe Biden. When the former defense secretary said he was wrong on just about every major decision in the last 40 years. And let's remember, this is Joe Biden who told Barack Obama not to go after Osama bin Laden and said he opposed President Trump's decision to kill Soleimani and take out al-Baghdadi. I mean, these terrorists would still be walking the earth and causing death and destruction if it were up to Joe Biden. We need someone willing to stand up and lead. If you want to hide in the basement, you want to cower, you don't want to take the shot, then stay in the basement. We got a president who will take the shot, and if you're a terrorist, he's got a target on you. Uh, finishing up with Mark Lauder, the director of strategic information for the Trump campaign. I got to ask you this before I go. I looked. Uh, I was looking at uh, your bio here in, in Wikipedia, and I see that you once worked at a PBS station as an in, as a, a scholarship. I'm wondering if after you work at a PBS station, do you have to be deprogrammed? When you know as your <laughs> No, but I, but I do still have, <laughs> but I still do have the PBS uh, voice, and uh, and did have the honor of uh, working for a couple on a couple of seasons of the Joy of Painting with Bob Ross, and uh, okay. and that was definitely a highlight of my young career. Well, um, as you so you have you have spent a lot of time in the media. I got a little less than a minute left. Uh, what what can can the media coverage get any worse from what we've seen? I mean. From someone who worked in the media, what do you think when you see this? What's going on? Boy, it's hard to it's hard to think it. It is. Uh, you know, it seems like so many in the mainstream media have uh, have forgotten their number one job is not to be the news; it's to report on the news, to cover it fairly and accurate accurately. And more of them are are worried about becoming the story or making the story as opposed to just covering the story. Uh, but I have hope. I have faith that they will uh, find their way back. I think the pendulum will swing both ways, and right now it's swing, swinging to the far left. And hopefully one of these days we'll have uh, some national media reporters that stand up, take their, uh, their job seriously, and stay down the middle, which is where their, sp- their place is supposed to be. Mark, I'm out of time. I'm going to talk about the media with a media professor when we come back. Thank you for being on, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The number of laid-off workers seeking unemployment benefits rose to 1.1 million last week, according to the Labor Department. That's after two weeks of declines, evidence that employers are still cutting large numbers of jobs. 
Former presidential aide Steve Bannon has been arrested on charges he and three others defrauded donors in an online fundraising scheme that had to do with construction of the border wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. Wildfires raging through Northern California, threatening thousands of homes and blackening the skies near San Francisco. As crews struggle to surround them despite steep terrain and blistering heat, hundreds of thousands of acres and well over 100 buildings have burned. Tens of thousands have been evacuated. On Wall Street, stocks finishing higher. The Dow gained 46 points today. The Nasdaq was up 118. The S&P ahead 10. This is SRN News. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call, and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call one 800 936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Dennis Prager explains how important this election will be. If you put Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on one end of the political moral spectrum and John F. Kennedy at the other end, she's a 10, he's a 1 in terms of leftism. Democratic Party is at 8. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. For victims of drunk and drug driving, our grief is unique. But you are not alone. You always have a place at MAD. Call our 24-hour victim helpline at 877-MAD-HELP or visit mad.org. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Still seeing a big tie-up on the outbound Parkway East, jammed up Forbes Avenue, up to past Beachwood Boulevard, where a crash blocks the right lane. We're talking a half-hour delay there. On the inbound side, heavy from the Britain Road overpass to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel, County Jail to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Not bad on the Parkway West. Minor slowing inbound Parkway Center Drive to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. An accident in the Stanton Heights area, Stanton Avenue at Hawthorne Street. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. Tonight, becoming partly cloudy with a low 60. Intervals of sunshine, clouds tomorrow with a high 85. Tomorrow night, clouds breaking with a low 64. A thunderstorm for Saturday with variably cloudy skies and a high of 83. And Sunday, sun and clouds with another thunderstorm and a high of 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. A well-known Republican was arrested and indicted today. Steve Bannon is accused of bilking millions of dollars from people who thought they were donating to help fund a wall along the southern border. 
You can be sure the non-Fox media will be all over this. The opposite of what they did when Kevin Kleinsmith, an FBI lawyer, pled guilty to uh, doctoring an email to help set off the Mueller investigation. Jeff McCall is a professor of media studies at DePaul University and a columnist who writes about media for The Hill. He joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on again. appreciate it. You're welcome. Great to be with you, John. So this is breaking news that I wasn't planning on talking to the, to you about, but the uh, the how did the media do in their coverage of Kleinsmith, and should we expect a different approach to the Bannon story? Well, I suspect we'll be able to predict which media outlets will be all over the Bannon story um, and which ones might not. Interestingly, Fox News has covered the Bannon story pretty thoroughly today, and oh, their yeah. website has a lot of information about that. But I'm sure this will be uh, part of the outrage media on CNN and the New York Times and places like that, because uh, they're always looking for something to, uh, you know, to uh, reflect negatively on the Trump administration. And by the way, the Trump administration gives them material to work with at times. Uh, And I would say this, I mean, the attorney general's office, you know, the Justice Department, you know, has indicted Bannon for this. Uh, I suspect they didn't go into this lightly or with their eyes closed. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I would think, you know, th- this is news. It needs to be covered, uh, and I think it needs to be covered as accurately and fairly as possible. But it is quite a difference, as you kind of set up a few seconds ago, uh, with the FBI person that was indicted by John Durham just last week, because and ha- has since pled guilty, of course, by the way. We've seen right. very little. We've seen very little mainstream coverage of that. Uh, and, I mean, basically it's been ignored, and when it has been covered, it's been kind of glossed over, like, oh, here's a low-level FBI, mm-hmm. nothing to see here, folks, let's keep moving along. So it will be interesting to see how this is handled. I wouldn't even be surprised to see some of this coming out somewhere uh, in the Democratic National Convention uh, material tonight. I, I don't know if Biden himself will necessarily address it, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody doesn't want to bring that up on the stage just as an overall indication of, of the narrative they want to promote, that uh, Trump is surrounded by people who are hardcore, living on the edge kind of people uh, mm-hmm. who deserve to be investigated. And p- part of the whole kind of narrative that the Trump administration and the Trump you know, people uh, are corrupt. And I mean, we saw that a lot in the coverage of the last three years of the Russian collusion thing, that the right. whole Trump thing is, uh, you know, just a a bastion of collusion and corruption. Uh, and the, I mean, that's one of the reasons they're trying to get his tax returns and stuff in that uh, courtroom in New York City is to, again, to, to prove further that the whole Trump administration and the Trump operation is corrupt. Now, I would say this, where there's corruption, it needs to be reported and needs to be rooted out. But I don't think we want to make narratives that only Trump is corrupt and that, you know, he's the only politician who's ever had any people working with him who are living on the edge of the law. Uh, and I mean, certainly, there. Uh, hopefully it'll be interesting to see what the John Durham report comes out with, but my guess is there are people who are going to be wrapped up in that as, net as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would just say, I wish we had some news media in this day and age that we could trust to handle all the kind of stuff with a balanced approach and go where the facts lead and try to provide some objectivity in news coverage so that we don't have to question what it is they're going to report and what they're not. And see, that's one of the biggest problems here, I think, in terms of news media, is not just what they cover, but what they don't cover. And I think yep, when, I was just going to mention that. That's, that yeah. you know, people, people like to look at how things are covered, but uh, the difference between the attention given the Mueller report, uh, the obsession with it, uh, the collusion story, and then to, to, it's embarrassing that they that the, the networks like MSNBC, CNN would not let that, that, Klein Smith. If, if you if you're doing it right, uh, and you're covering the story, and you're and, and you've established how important a story is by by basis of your uh, the the coverage that you've given it for two and a half years, and then something like that comes up and you ignore it. It's just so obvious. It's it's embarrassing that they would not know it. And I do not care. It should be embarrassing, but they would just have to scrape so much egg off of their face after covering the Russian collusion thing for so long that they're just unwilling to do that. And and it is sad, but, and and this is why, you know, and we've talked about this before, but this is why for 20 years now we've seen an increasingly uh, 
discouraging decline in credibility of the news media generally because you have audiences out there now that generally don't want to trust the mainstream media. Uh, and people say, well, why do people just go to echo chambers to hear only news accounts of stuff that they support? Well, one of the reasons is they can't find other news outlets that are going to give them a fair shake. And I would say this, you know, when, when the, you know, the Mueller investigation came down uh, and, you know, there was nothing to see there. I mean, you know, MSNBC suddenly had nothing to talk about for, for days at a time because that had been so much a part of their agenda for months and months, and they, weren't, they didn't have anything else really to go with at that time. And that, that's kind of sad, but it does show that they're willing to push narratives, uh, even unfounded narratives. They are willing to trust sources who need to be scrutinized. I mean, the, the source I think most often of is Adam Schiff, who stood in uh, the halls of Congress day after day saying, I've got evidence and we have evidence in plain sight. And nobody in the news media really ever said, well, we're not going to report this anymore unless you give us some of that. You know, yep. we're not just going to say you've got it. We're going to say, you know, prove it to us before we just keep putting him on mainstream television channels to say that he's got something, but it's a deep secret that he can't tell. There's a time where you just need to say, all right, you either come to with the goods or we're going to wait until you're ready to tell us, and we're not going to put you on TV anymore. Yeah, and they'd, have, they wouldn't, they'd not be able to fill the time. We're talking to Jeff McCall. He's a professor of media studies at DePaul University. I, I, I'm just wondering, Jeff, you teach students, um, and when, you, when you're in, in class with these uh, students and, and teaching your, your, this stuff, what, what uh, impression do they have of the media? Do they even watch? I saw the, the, the ratings for 18 to 28 uh, age group for the, for the convention, point, uh, 0.3 for the NBC and ABC, 0.2 for CBS. So they're not watching. Your students aren't watching. So what Generally do they watch, speaking, and what do you tell them about it? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, the ones who come into my class are probably more interested in news and public affairs than your mm -hmm. typical college student. Yeah. And I'm very lucky that I get to work with a lot of very bright students. But I do think, and I've noticed this, and, you know, and I've been in higher education now for a while after previously working in the media myself, but I have seen in the last 15, 20 years a decline in interest amongst college kids, um, generally speaking, uh, a decline of interest in public affairs, in news, and in journalism. And they have some of the same kind of cynicism and skepticism that your average news consumer has these days. And I think it's sad because I think most college students, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, if they're interested in studying the media and perhaps becoming journalists or television reporters, most of them really, I think, have a dedicated view to trying to do things right, to trying to put things, make, make things fair, uh, to try to report honestly and accurately. And I think most of them instinctively know that the news industry should try to be objective. But when they sit in their chair, when, when they do sit in their chair and watch news, I think they see that that is not being very well modeled. And I think it's confusing for them and causes contradictions in their thinking. And I think that's one of the reasons, frankly, uh, and and th there there are some studies about these about this factor around the country that journalism schools are not necessarily attracting the best and brightest students like they might have a generation or two ago, particularly you know in the aftermath of Watergate back in the day when everybody wanted to be the next Woodward or Bernstein and break a big story and become a national yeah. hero, but also to expose expose wrongdoing. So I think we've had a decline in the number of bright college students who are interested in going into the media industry, and I think it's because they're disillusioned with what's right in front of them. And so, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where it, it's not my job to recruit students to go into the news media, mm -hmm. uh, but to try to give them a, an eyes-wide-open view of what's going on in there and let them make their own decisions. Uh, but it is harder, I think, to get students who are really interested. And in the long term, I think we need really bright and capable students to go into that industry. And, and you know, let's, let's think about this. You know, historically, there were a lot of intellectuals and really bright people who went into journalism as a career because they felt there was a calling to it, there was a lot of good to be done, and they felt like they were serving the ends of uh, honesty and objectivity and, and, as I like to say, fueling the news needs of a democracy. And, uh, and when you think about uh, Edward R. Murrow, you, you've, I'm sure, heard of the Murrow boys and the people that he recruited to work for CBS uh, in World War II and after. Those guys were intellectuals. I mean, there were Rhodes Scholars that Edward R. Murrow was hiring to work for CBS News in the 50s and 60s. 
And I'm not saying that the people who work in the industry now aren't capable and bright, but what I'm saying is that the people who are in college classrooms today are maybe not going to be the best and brightest who want to go into the news industry given the kind of uh, lack of credibility that that it's suffering from right now. Now, um, I'm just wondering, though, again, I, I teach a class. Uh, I've been teaching a class at uh, Waynesburg University for about three years as just a as a consultant. I'm not an actual professor, but... Um, I, I, um, I critique their work, basically, when I'm like a coach. But, mm-hmm. uh, but um, what I find is that when I ask these guys who are uh, these kids, these are mostly guys because it's a sportscasting class, but um, when I ask them if they ever watch local news, the answer is almost always no. Mm-hmm. And, and I get the same thing when I ask anybody, really, and especially if it's anybody under the age of 50, Nobody watches local TV news anymore, and so I don't know how much they're watching the network news. But so, as a teacher uh, and, and as a professor, as I because I deal with this as a teacher, uh, you know, helping with these kids, um, should I be teaching them how to do a podcast, or should I be teaching them how to be on television? I mean, what what do you teach kids now? Because they don't watch TV. I mean, you're you're eighteen and nineteen year old freshmen. They don't watch television, do they? They generally do not watch traditional television, and they usually do not read traditional newspapers or even newspapers online. Right. They're getting a lot of their information from social media. And by the mm-hmm. way, that, that's been a heavy lift over the last few years for me to try to remind people, like, if you're relying on social media to be informed, you're you know, deluding yourself here. Um, but a lot of people are interested in podcasts, uh, which is fine. Although, as I tell students sometimes, a podcast is basically just an archived radio program. So if you're interested in audio, that's all fine. But I do think that students uh, are discouraged from looking at traditional media. uh, And they're not, you know, this is interesting. They're really into technology, and they can, you know, go on the Internet, and they can go through social media and YouTube and that sort of thing and put videos of themselves online. But really, in terms of media literacy, I think a lot of them still have a long ways to go because I'm not sure they understand the effects of the media or what they should be learning from the media or how, or how media displays culture or disrupts culture, as we're seeing a lot of in this day and age. So I think, um, you know, we live in a very confusing time for college-age students, uh, and I think they've got things on their minds, and I think they have kind of basic senses of fairness and objectivity but I'm not sure they know where to go apply that. And again, like I said before, if they're watching the models that you know would be on traditional television or in traditional newspaper these days, they're probably not being very well informed and, in fact, maybe discouraged from going down those career paths. Yeah, and um, just as a uh, media presentation, we're talking to Jeff McCall, who's a professor of media studies at DePaul University. Um, as a media presentation, what do you make of the Democrats' uh, pseudo-convention? Well, it's been highly predictable. I must say that if you and I had talked a week ago and said, hey, looking ahead at the Democratic National Convention, what do you think it's going to look like? Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, it's been what we thought it would be, and the media coverage of it has been what we thought it would be, too, I think. You know, really effusive Mm -hmm. praise, kind of global support for what the Democrats are saying, very little digging down into the messages behind the Democrats. You know, rhetorically, the Democrats have been rather unimaginative, I must say, because almost everything that you've seen over the last couple of days is Trump's bad and Joe's a pretty nice guy. And I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of a simplistic, un- unimaginative message. And the other thing I've been surprised, well, this has surprised me a little bit. I said it was predictable, but this has been a little surprising to me. Most of the rhetoric, particularly in prime time, has been from the old guard of the Democratic Party. And I include Barack and Michelle Obama in that category now because, I mean, let's face it, they've been out of office for a while. They're not old guard in terms of age, but they are old guard in terms of establishment Democrat policy. But, you know, you've got Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, John Kerry, Bernie Sanders, John Kasich there is a Republican, but in a sense he's kind of an old-time established politician as well. And not to mention that the candidate, Joe Biden, is 77 years old. So I would think that this has probably been a very tough lift to try to get younger voters engaged because they tune in and see Hillary Clinton and think, God, you know, isn't she kind of old news by now? Or see John Kerry on there criticizing President Trump and thinking, who is this guy? You know, didn't he lose one time? 
So I think this has uh, been an unusual convention. Now, of course, having to go virtual <laughs> with the coal convention, uh, you know, put them in an odd position. And, and I'm sure the Republicans are taking a lot of notes this week as to what works and what doesn't. But it does show us, I think, the limitation of virtual media events that, you know, people like to talk about, oh, a Zoom meeting is just as good as a meeting at your workplace or a Zoom, edu- you know, classroom is just as good yeah. as a classroom in your college, you know, um, a hallway or something like that. But it's not. The virtual shows the limits of mediated events, and there's no spontaneity at all. And, of course, if you watched Kamala Harris's speech last night, you could tell she, like, was not responding to, well, there was nobody to respond to her. And so she came off as, you know, rather like, like plain jello at a banquet, so to speak. Right. Well, uh, I, I one missed other, that One other thing I'd say about the coverage here is that, and we talked before about what's important, you know, is covered on one level, but what is not covered or, you know, omitted is probably more important. Mm-hmm. In the news coverage of the Democratic Convention, we've seen almost no coverage of the platform or any of the Democratic policies. I mean, almost all the news coverage that you see on CNN or in the Washington Post has been about, you know, that Obama slammed Trump and John Kerry slammed Trump and stuff like that. But nobody's covering, like, well, what will they do differently? What is in their 92-page platform? We have seen very little digging of that. Jeff, I'm out of time. I'm against, up against a break. It's always good to have you on. I could talk to you for another hour, but uh, we'll do it again soon, okay? I look forward to it. Thanks. All right, thank you. That's Jeff McCall, and he's a professor of media studies at DePaul University. We'll be right back. You've heard all the lies about President Trump. Trump is a racist. Trump is Putin's pet. Here's the truth. Trump is the most effective conservative president that America has had in decades. And every lie they spread about him is targeting you. This is Kurt Schlichter, and my new book is called The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. It does what no other book does. It knocks down the 21 biggest lies about our president with facts and logic and humor. Trump obstructed justice. Trump hates immigrants. These are big lies, and the reason for the lies is simple. President Trump is the first president in a long time to stand up for the Constitution and for conservative principles. And when the left wants to tear down everything this country stands for, my new book, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, explains why this president's courage and common sense are exactly what we need today. This is the most important book of the year. Read it and you'll agree. The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You by me, Kurt Schlichter. Get it wherever books are sold. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's Windows or Us Pittsburgh.com. Windows or Us Pittsburgh.com. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. 
Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. Excuse me, have you ever discussed life insurance? Well... Sort of. Have you talked about who will pay the mortgage if one of you passes? We definitely haven't talked about that. Well, then you should talk to SelectQuote. SelectQuote shops for you, getting you quotes from some of the country's most trusted companies. Finding you the right coverage with the right carrier at the right price in minutes. Is it affordable? Well, how affordable does $500,000 in coverage for as little as a dollar a day sound? That's great. We can afford that. To get your free quote, call 1-800-212-1166 or go to selectquote.com today and get the protection they need at a price you can afford. That's 1-800-212-1166 or selectquote.com. Select quote. We shop. You save. Get full details on example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Monthly premiums vary based on health company and other factors. Not available in all states. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, here's an interesting story I just came across to finish with here. Jerome Bettis has filed a racial discrimination lawsuit. I just saw it like two seconds ago. Says uh, former Hall of Famer Jerome Bettis has filed a racial discrimination lawsuit against Pittsburgh-based EQT Production Company. It's according to the Associated Press. The lawsuit cites a breach of contract and seeks a total of, are you ready, $66 million in damages. Bettis had promoted EQ2 for their commitment to diversity. He says they owe his IntegraServe trucking company monetary compensation, and they did not fulfill their promise to use minority-owned businesses. Especially at times like these, we had to file the lawsuit because everyone deserves to be treated fairly and simply, and that and fairly, and that simply didn't happen here. EQT denies any wrongdoing and alleges it was Bettis's side of the partnership that failed to satisfy their end of the contract. So there you go, Jerome Bettis in the news. And it's about discrimination and a $66 million lawsuit. That's a big one. We'll see what else we can find out about that, maybe have it tomorrow. By the way, tomorrow I have on this radio program the Surgeon General of the United States will be here. How about that? I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.